0: Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Dodder. Thanks for joining. We're a little over halfway through the book of Numbers, and I wanted to make sure we don't skip over the bonus book overview. But before we dive in, by way of reminder, here are some announcements for new friends who have recently joined the journey. There are three primary ways to join. Read, listen, write. Number one is read. At the bare minimum, Join the Journey provides a free daily reading plan, which can be found online at jointhejourney.com under the Resources tab. Just click Download Plan. You can also find additional reading plans from years past by clicking the magnifying glass icon in the top right corner. But not only does the website give you the reading plan, you'll also find daily devotionals, discussion questions, a reading plan for kids, and helpful Bible study tools. The second way you can join the journey is by listening. We're here on the podcast every day, Monday through Friday, and our podcast for kids, Join the Journey Junior, releases new episodes once a week for kids ages 8 and under. And lastly, you can join the journey the old-fashioned way. The Journey offers a guided journal to help you stay on track, remove distractions, and deepen your study. We'll put all the links in the episode description. So all that said, let's dive into the book of numbers. And to frame it up, I want us to think about the classic family road trip line, are we there yet? Anyone who's been on a road trip with young kids knows that it's typically filled with lots of questions for a bathroom break, a new movie, more snacks, and the classic are we there yet? question. And if we're honest, the longest road trips are sometimes filled with a decent amount of complaining. It can feel like we're going to be stuck in the car forever. Now, when it comes to our lives as a whole, we don't necessarily ask the question, "Are we there yet?" but we do ask similar questions throughout our lives. When will this be over? When will this season end? Will this last forever? Will it ever stop? How much longer will this go on? Will life for our family always be this way? Now, I don't know what's going on in your family or in your life, but I do know that all of us have our stuff. Maybe it's parents, grandparents, in-laws, roommates, or a rebellious child. Or maybe it's sickness, finances, addiction, mental health. All of us have our stuff. And much like the Israelites— we can be tempted to complain. Candidly, the book of Numbers shows us we're much more like the Israelites than we'd care to admit. The book of Numbers can be outlined or honestly retold like this—old generation, chapters 1 through 12, tragic transition, chapters 13 through 20, and new generation, chapters 21 through 36. And so the book begins with a detailed census of the old generation. And when I say old generation, in chapter 1, they aren't old to us yet. In fact, this is the Exodus generation. With their very eyes, they witnessed the plagues, the Passover, and the parting of the Red Sea. They saw Moses go up the mountain and receive the Ten Commandments. And they were there for the golden calf incident. We read about this generation all throughout the book of Exodus. And as Numbers kicks off, it's clear that God has been keeping his promises to Abraham. Remember, that's Genesis 12, 15, and 17, the Abrahamic covenant, as God promised the Israelites land, seed, which means kids, and blessing. So now here they are at the beginning of the book of Numbers, about to start traveling to their new home, the land, and their numbers are many. So God's been following through on his promise to Abraham that he'd have many descendants. The interesting thing about numbers is that we really only see the numbers primarily at the beginning and the end of the book. The rest of Numbers is the story of the Israelites traveling to the Promised Land. In chapters 1 through 10, Moses, the most likely author of the book, accounts for the number of people in the nation by obediently taking a census. We learn a lot about the Levites, the priestly tribe responsible for the tabernacle, and we also learn a little bit more about cleanliness and purity, which you can explore more in our Leviticus bonus episode. In the first section of Numbers, the Lord also commands the Israelites to keep the Passover as they travel, which means, just like any holiday, when that date rolls around, the Israelites were to recall, they were to remember how God freed them from slavery in Egypt. And then, right after they hit the road, the people complain. God had been providing manna, a type of bread, for food, and the Israelites were tired of this road trip food. Sound familiar? So God sends quail. A new road trip snack enters the picture, if you will. And it's at this point that we get to the middle portion of the book of Numbers, the tragic transition, chapters 13 through 20. The Israelites get to the edge of the promised land, the new home God has promised to give them, and they send 12 spies into the land, one from each tribe. The only problem was, when the 12 returned— 10 of the spies said in Numbers 13, we can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All of the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. Numbers 13, 31 through 33 in NLT. The report of the ten spies left the remaining two, Joshua and Caleb, alone, as they definitely thought the Israelites could conquer the land. The bad news the ten spies spread left the Israelites in despair. They'd forgotten God's promises. So Numbers 14 begins like this. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Verse 2, their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron tried to stand up for what is right, but the people didn't relent, and so they were left with a consequence, the tragic transition. Beginning in Numbers 14, verse 21, we get the Lord's response. He said, But as surely as I live, and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter that land. They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice." They will never even see the land I swore to give their ancestors. None of those who have treated me with contempt will ever see it. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of the land. Now turn around and don't go on toward the land where the Amalekites and the Canaanites live. Tomorrow you must set out for the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea, verse 25 concludes. So that's the tragic transition. The Exodus generation spends the rest of their lives wandering in the wilderness. It would be their children who would live to enter the land. And as we read, you'll see that many of them make a poor choice along the way, which results in more and more consequences, even for Moses, who would ultimately be unable to enter the promised land as a consequence for his actions. That's chapter 20. Now, as the Israelites wander, we typically expect them to be the only people out there, like stranded in a desert kind of situation. However, they would actually encounter other people groups, and as the new generation came up, things started to go well, so the Israelites began to develop a reputation for themselves. And in this last section of the book of Numbers, the Israelites start to draw near to Moab. And the people of Moab were dreading their arrival, chapter 22. So their leader, Balak, hired a guy to curse Israel. But remember God's promises to Abraham way back in Genesis land, they were on their way, seed, their numbers were many, and blessing. Those who bless you, I will bless, and those who curse you, I will curse, God had said. So long story short, talking donkey and all, the guy hired to curse Israel couldn't do it. He ends up speaking an oracle. He says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the people of Sheth, Edom will be conquered, Seir, his enemy, will be conquered, but Israel will grow strong. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. That's Numbers 24. Which should, if you've been following along, remind you of Jacob's blessing over his son Judah back in Genesis, when he said, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. That's Genesis 49. The promise found in Genesis sounds a lot like the promise this random guy shares in his oracle in the book of Numbers. So the cool thing about Numbers is that all throughout a book detailing Israel's failures, there are glimmers of hope foreshadowing Jesus' first coming. Think about it. The ruler will be from the tribe of Judah. Our God is the Lion of Judah, Revelation 5.5. Every knee will bow, Isaiah 45. I mean, all throughout these Old Testament books, we're discovering that Jesus has always been God's plan A. So as you continue reading through the book of Numbers, I'd encourage you to look for glimmers of hope amidst the complaining and the consequences. They're scattered all throughout it. And as Numbers ends we see that the only two left from the old generation are Joshua and Caleb. There's another census, some details and reminders about offerings, feasts, and vows. The tribes of Gad and Reuben strike an inconsiderate deal. We get some specific reminders about the promised land's boundaries, details regarding the Levites, and some specific cities, and instruction regarding marriage. But as Numbers ends, we're left wondering, how will this new generation of Israelites do under Joshua's leadership? Will they make the same mistakes as their parents? The Israelites faced some serious consequences for their poor choices, but God is just and fair. He always reminds his people of his word and the commitments they've made as his people. And he'd do the same for the new generation. That's where the book of Deuteronomy comes into play. It's a review. Like Israel, we can be forgetful. We can forget God's goodness to us throughout our lives. So take some time to reflect on the miraculous work you've seen God do in your lifetime. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.